Hello, welcome to the Revive for the Journey podcast, where we give you this week's message from Cove Church. We pray that it blesses you and helps you grow deeper in your journey with Christ. Enjoy. Well, hey there, Cove Church. Uh, Welcome in. So great to have you. Uh, We are in the third part of a small kind of mini-series leading up to Lent. And so week one was, uh, what is Lent? Week two, what is the Bible? And this week, uh, we're going to talk about how to read the Bible. And so, uh, or what is Lectio specifically, Lectio Divina? And to answer that question, we have a very special guest, Pastor Greg Russinger, uh, formerly Portland Foursquare. Yeah but now Alongsiders Church. So Pastor Greg, welcome. Yeah, it's great to be here. It's great to be with you again. Obviously, former class buddy of mine. So it's kind of fun to sit around the table and have this opportunity. So thanks for the invitation. Yeah, Pastor Greg and I, Pastor Greg and I were uh, classmates at uh, George Fox. And I remember struggling through, we were just talking Old Testament and (laughs) and some other things that we, you know, when we were in cemetery, I mean, uh, seminary (laughs) together. So we believe um, in resurrection. We both have been resurrected. Yes. Uh, really, I have I have three questions for you. Yep. And the first is, who is Greg Russinger? Mm-hmm. So, um, I don't married, uh, father, uh, pastor, uh, had an easy life, mm. came to faith, uh, you know, as a child, came to faith as an adult. Who is? Yeah. Pastor Greg. Yeah, it's great to be with you all. So thanks for the invitation to be and sit with you. And yeah, I'm uh, Greg Ressinger. I am the father to Ashton, who is 23, currently resides in Southern California area. Uh, My son, Liam, is 19 and he's still here with us in the Portland area. And then my partner, Michelle, we've been together for 27 years. And uh, that has been just a gift in so many different ways. Uh, I have been a vocational pastor for 28 years, um, and but I didn't grow up in the faith. I actually, uh, that happened later on in life when I was about 19 years old, originally from London, England, moved over here when I was, my parents moved us over here when I was seven or eight years old, and uh, really came from from no faith experience, no faith history, nothing like that, and that was kind of my own independent journey from them, and uh, that's kind of found me where I am today. I'm also a co-founder uh, of Laundry Love, which is a, a national human care initiatives nonprofit that washes the clothes and bedding of low-income to no-income families around the U.S. So I've been doing that for 18 years um, and graduate with you, obviously, from Portland Seminary, which is a joy. Um, and I've always, like for me, I've always sought to live my life around one simple life practice, which is a life interrupted is a life inspired. And so... I've always tried to place myself in situations where there's a deep interruption that then creates a sustainable inspiration towards life. So that's kind of me in a nutshell. Outside of the fact I am like the number one soccer fan there is coming from England, you have no choice. So, yeah. Got it. So uh, came to faith. Maybe let's talk about your your faith journal quickly. Came to faith as a child as an adult, as a teenager? So 19 years old, came to faith. Actually, I was living in Southern California at the time and uh, living with some friends. And long story made short, I was invited numerous of times from different people to come to church. And at that time, you know, that was something that was foreign to me. Um, So desired no participation with that at all. Uh, And then I was invited by a girlfriend to go to 
something called uh, a Harvest Crusade, which was Greg Laurie's part of the Harvest and Calvary Chapel at that time. So his first ever or the first ever Harvest Crusade. And, and um, I don't remember all of the evening, to be honest with you, but there was just something that stirred in me. I became curious and I, I think I responded. And I think that was the beginning of my journey when I was, you know, 18, 19 years old. So. Question number two, yeah. then. Um, you also authored a journal, um, Lectio Divina. Mm -hmm. So tell us about this journal. Tell us about these, these words, Lectio Divina. What is Lectio Divina? So, uh, co-church, just by way of review, this last week we talked about, you know, what is the Bible? And uh, this idea that it's the story of God, that it's unmistakably reliable, and that it's alive because Jesus is alive. In other words, the Bible for the first three or 400 years, no one was walking around saying the Bible says because there was no the Bible. They were holding on to something else. They were holding on to the resurrection. And so we said last week that it, 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 the Bible didn't create Christianity. The resurrection gave birth to the Bible. However, we understand that the Bible can be difficult at times to approach. There's, there's a lot of mystery uh, to the Bible. There's, there, there can be some misunderstanding. Where do I start? Where do I start reading? What version do I read? How do I read it? Is there only one way to read the Bible? So tell us about this journal. Yeah, so um, I'll just, Lectio Divina is Latin for sacred reading, better translated spiritual reading. And uh, it's a practice of prayerful engagement with the spirit and with the scripture. And it's really reading the scripture so thoughtfully that your reading becomes prayer. Um, Lectio Divina at its beginnings in early monasticism, its history is really long and it's, it's a living history. It actually, in the fifth century, uh, St. Benedict was really kind of the one who introduced this practice to the church. And it, it's really founded in the Benedictine tradition, which I really, really love. But it's actually today, it is probably the most known and loved of the spiritual practices, uh, I think, across the church and its, uh, you know, and its global footing. Um, but what I love about Lectio Divina, it, it's an un, it's all about uh, an unhurried reading of the text. It's, it's a required listening, if you will. And I say Lectio Divina is, is not concerned with speed. It's not concerned with volume, but it's concerned with depth and receptivity. It's receiving the word of God in a way that it's not about intellect, it's about presence. It's about how we bring our presence into the company of God and how God is constantly present with us. And so Lectio Divina is a patient reading. And I think patience actually invites us and serves us better towards being receptive to who God is in those moments where we are with the scripture. I often say this, that Lectio Divina is not focused on gaining information or motivation from God. It's actually learning to be in communion or union with God. Um, and then Lexio Divina is about desire. It's not about duty. And I think that's really important that remember we're in a love relationship, right? With the God that sees us, the God that knows us and our response to the one who sees us and knows us. And so we're not coming to the sacred text out of duty. We're coming out of desire. And I think it's important that it's, it, it's said that 
any and all spiritual practices are first and foremost our response to God's love towards us. Meaning this, we don't earn God's love, we respond to God's love, right? And so spiritual uh, practices like Selectio Divina and so many others, they don't cause something to happen, they actually open up a window to what's already happening. And I suggest that what's already happening is God's desire for us, God's love towards us and our response to that desire and to that love. And so it, it's kind of like in John chapter, you know, the first chapter of the Gospel of John in verses 33, 42, we see John the Baptist pointing his disciples in the direction of Jesus, if you remember this story. And it says, the two of the disciples of John were following behind Jesus. And, and when Jesus is aware of that they're following him, he asks them, you know, what are you, what are you looking for? What are you looking for? And, and then they inquire, well, where are you staying? And then Jesus responds by, well, come and you will see. And I think that come and you will see is really an invitation for all of us to move deeper from uh, into desire and not into duty. And I think Lectio Divina provides a really an opportunity for us to be in that deeper relationship with the living word and not simply with the Bible. Um, and so I think that is really kind of in a simplified way uh, what to me, Lexio Divina is. Good. So how, so how does Lectio Divina work? This sacred reading, spiritual reading, uh, walk us through the movements. Yeah, so uh, in Lectio Divina, typically there are four movements, and um, that is uh, reading, meditation, prayer, and then contemplation. Um, now, in the journal that you guys are going to be sharing in together. Yes, Cove Church, look, there's something I notice about this journal uh, that we have uh, that's going to be available to us is this is the Cove Church logo. So we had some des designed. Really, looks really good. Yeah. Very sharp. Um, but in this journal that you are all going to hopefully participate in with together, there's actually, actually, we added, we actually two more movements. So there's actually six movements. So I'll, I'll just kind of go, yeah. go through them if that's, if that's okay. So traditionally, once again, four movements, some people call them prayer paths. Um, because once again, Lexio Divina is all about the prayerful meditation of scripture. Uh, it's un unhurried, right? It's, it's not just seeking information about God, it's, but it's being in uh, union or communion with God. And so in the journal, there are six movements and we start off with silence or what we call silencio. And why do we do that? Well, we wanna just kind of pause and we wanna wait. And, and what that does, it allows you to sit and prepare your own self, to kind of center yourself down, to be awake and attentive to really what you're about to enter into. And so it's really just kind of taking a prayer posture. If that's just kind of straight back, feet on the ground, your just body is participating in what you're about to do. And so there's just 60 seconds we encourage of just sitting in silence, waiting and preparing yourself for what you're about to do. And then there's the path or the movement of reading. And uh, we read to listen and we encourage people. And traditionally it's been known that you, you read the text and remember that in Lexa Divina, the text is often shortened. It's not you're reading multiple chapters. You may be reading anywhere from six verses, 12 verses, sometimes 20 verses at the most. And so it's, it's really just kind of slowing down. And what you do is you read the text 
up to three times. Now, if you're by yourself, we encourage you to read it out loud slowly, even in a group setting, maybe each uh, people in the group could read it once slowly together and you're just paying attention. And so you read it once and what you're doing in this reading, remember you're, you're reading to listen. You're, you're reading to pay attention to how the spirit is connecting you with a word or a phrase or a sentence from the text that you're actually reading. And so you read it once and you pause and you think about what has jumped out at me? What has grabbed my attention? What am I noticing? And then you read it again slowly and you're asking yourself the same question. And probably by the second, probably definitely by the third time, there's a word, there's a phrase, there's a, there's a part of that sentence structure in the text that really has taken hold of your heart, taken hold of your mind and you're noticing that. So that's what you're seeking to pay attention Great. Let me interrupt yeah, you. Do you do you encourage folks to maybe have a couple of different translations, or if they're reading digitally, to switch to another translation, or stick with the same translation? I always encourage people to stick with one translation. Okay. Now, next day you might want to use a different translation, or sure. the next day. But I think in when you're doing it one day at a time, try to stay with the same translation. Um, that's what my encouragement would be. Got it. So. Um, but in faith, we're reading because we're reading, we're reading slowly for God really to speak through the scripture for that particular day. And then when you're noticing, when you're paying attention, you just write down what it is, what or you're underlining. What is that verse or that phrase? What, 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 what has got my attention? What have I noticed? And then you move to meditation. And this is prayer as pondering. This is kind of like what Mother Mary did when she pondered all of these things up in her heart. She was holding all of what she was noticing. And so the same way you're holding what, you're, what you are noticing, what God is speaking to you. And you begin to chew on that, on, on what has caught your attention in the text. Uh, and meditation is both head and heart. It's not either or. When we meditate on the scripture, like, you know, scripture says meditate on scripture day and night. We're, we're meditating both cognitively, but we're also meditating in our own hearts. So there's, there's the working of both at that time. Um, and out of the meditation then comes the prayer. And this, um, uh, and this is prayer as responding. So out of our hearts, we've been stirred. We've noticed something, right? We've meditated on that. We've written about that and we're stirring. Now the stirring moves us to respond to God. And we respond to God in prayer or through prayer. You can draw a picture if you're an artist or whatever it might be. Uh, we might get on our knees. Sometimes we need to respond physically to what's being stirred within us based on the text and the meditation. We might want to sing. We might want to pause and sit in the silence. But God has spoken and what God has spoken to you through the text has descended into you. And it's out of those depths now that you respond back to God based on what has been nurtured within you. And then you come to that place in contemplation and contemplation is prayer as being. This is where we rest in what has been revealed to you. You rest as the beloved of God and what God has revealed to you specifically through the text. We abide in God's presence. We're confident in our belovedness. And we, that's when we begin uh, through contemplation uh, uh, and we're moving now into communion and into union with God. And that's where we come to sit uh, at the end of that traditional four, uh, four movements of the four uh, prayer paths. Now, here, what you'll notice in the journal, when you guys get this journal, every month, and, but it could also be every week or even every day, uh, there's this place called Incarnatio, which is all about incarnation. Because 
contemplation needs to move to action. Action completes the prayer. And so we encourage uh, everybody that takes on the journal to really figure out how can I make sure that, that I'm incarnating my life each and every month? Is that through volunteering? Is that through service? How is that? And you really just write that. Take that seriously and write that down. Once again, action completes the prayer. Contemplation leads you to action and then action brings you back into contemplation. You know, there's some things that I love about this, Greg, uh, not the least of which is Hebrews 4, 12, you know, well, the word of God is living and powerful. Act, yes, act. And so it, it separates it separates the text, that book, the Bible from any other book mm -hmm. on the planet. And uh, I, I've been in modes where the Bible, I've treated it as a textbook, mm -hmm. uh, not a slower contemplative uh, soaking in the text rather uh, a transfer of information, mm -hmm. information gathering. Uh, and so I love that Lectio slows us down mm -hmm. to listen mm -hmm. uh, to the Lord and, and we find fresh new meaning in Hebrews chapter four. That, that's number one. Mm. Um, I, I think number two, I love that we've added incarnatio, this idea of the incarnate uh, word. Uh, us being the hands and feet of Jesus. Mm -hmm. And so the Lord is, it, it's almost the James principle. Don't just be hearers of the word right, right, only, right. but doers yeah. as well. And so tell us a little bit about, um, you know, th this decision to take an ancient practice, a Benedictine practice and bring it into uh, contemporary understanding probably didn't, you know, happen in a vacuum, mm -mm. something an interruption in mm -hmm, your life, mm -hmm. something happens. So tell us just a little bit about the inspiration to take an ancient practice and bring it to modern day. Yeah, I think for the last 10 years, I've really given myself to kind of the mothers and the fathers of the faith, diving deep on where's my faith connected to. And as the more I read and the more I took that kind of that deep dive uh, into the mothers and fathers of the faith, to the mystics, to monasticism, to all those things. What came out of that was really these beautiful practices that are really spirit-inspired and literally, you know, led by the Holy Spirit. And and I just really begin to notice that history and begin to dive into those practices. And what happened in 2014 is that we begin to look um, to figure out, is there a journal that encapsulates the... Lexio Divina practice, and there wasn't. We did Amazon check, we did the Google check, you know, because you know Google is your mother, so you right. go to your mother to find out what's out there. And uh, we couldn't find anything anywhere. And so we said, well, if you can't find it, maybe we should just create one. And the intention really was to provide the community that I have the privilege of pastoring, to try to provide them a resource that connects them historically as well as enlivens them in their modern setting just for their own practice. And, and uh, so we created the first one and, and we gifted it to the community. And then from there, it just became this thing where more people heard about it, more people heard about it, more people. And we sent it all over the world, like literally all over the world. So every time when we create these, now we, we create them for, uh, to some degree, for other people more than just this community, which is really just kind of humbling and a gift and it's kind of fun and exciting and yeah yeah and so and then also the other thing that I didn't say about in the journal on on Saturday there's that 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 the, the gift of uh, the prayer gift of examine prayer mm -hmm. and the examine prayer 
um, is you know probably about 500 years old and um, it really just allows you to take a moment to observe the week now usually examine prayers are a daily prayer process but we put it in there as a, a, a on Saturday for you to take a look at the week and and, and, and look at the consolations and the desolations, the consolations of where did you experience God's presence and joy, and, and then the desolations, where was their struggle, where was their difficulty, because God works in both. Right. And so it gives you an opportunity to just kind of take notice of where God is active in your life through the week, and then prepare yourself for the next week to come. And then on uh, Sunday, there's just a journal place that when you gather as a people, you can take this and when your pastor is spitting wisdom, you can go ahead and, and take notice of what's being stirred in you and write that down or write what Pastor Brandon is saying. And, and so it just allows there to be hopefully an everyday process that you are entering in, uh, not only individually, but together. And I think that's really the, the power is harnessed there in that collective practice. So good. So, yeah. You know, maybe finally, a third thing that I, I love about this process, you know, the, you know this, Greg, that um, the friends, the evangelical friends have this, have this practice in their, in their services called open worship, and it's based on the chassis, really, of two things, two um, kind of anchors. One is that God's still speaking today, mm -hmm. and two, the priesthood of all believers. Mm -hmm. And so you just hit on something. Uh, pa pastors are a gift to the body. You're a gift to Alongsiders Church. I love that name, by the way, uh, out of Ephesians. And, and, and we need to hear from our pastors. And yet the Holy Spirit is speaking to each one of us. Mm -hmm. And so uh, the journal, the Lectio Divina journal, the process, the movements of Lectio give space for yep. God to speak to our hearts. Yep. I love that. Yep. Yep. So Cove Church, uh, Listen, Lent is right around the corner, uh, March 2nd, I believe. And we, we launch into kind of this 40 days of preparation going into Easter. And we have four groups, four Lent groups, one of them online, uh, three of them uh, in, in person, in homes. And we would encourage you uh, to get signed up, be a part of one of those Lent groups. Uh, and as you do, you're going to get involved with the Lectio Divina. It'll be a part of uh, your diet. And so, Pastor Greg, thank you yeah. so much for your time. Thank joy. you for your heart. Yeah. And uh, bless you, my friend. Thank you. It's good to be with you, buddy. It really is. Thank you, everybody. Thanks for joining us. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. To stay connected with all things Cove Church, visit our website, covechurchpnw.com, or on all social media platforms at covechurchpnw. We'll see you next time.